The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? This is Peter Schrager. You're listening to The Season with Peter Schrager, a week 18 episode that we're recording two days later than we were planning on recording um, on Tuesday. We're actually here on Thursday morning. And the reason we didn't record anything on Tuesday was for obvious reasons. It was uh, still in the immediate aftermath of the DeMar Hamlin situation Monday night during Monday Night Football. And I wanted to start off this podcast by kind of talking about when it's appropriate and how I'm handling turning the page in such a way, metaphorically, you don't ever turn the page from it, but from going from that conversation topic and when it's inappropriate to talk football to then saying, hey, there is games on Sunday. We do love football. And we do want to talk about the sport. I actually I leaned on uh, a lot of coaches that I, I speak with on a regular basis this past week and was texting them. And um, I don't think he would mind me saying it. Sean McDermott texted me and said, hey, thanks for all the work that you guys are doing on Good Morning Football. You guys are leading from the front. And I thought your show today was beautiful. That was Tuesday. Wednesday, uh, still no real update on Damar Hamlin. And we did a sprinkling of football talk. And now Thursday kind of did a half and half where we gave you the latest up-to-date news and we had reporters on the ground in both Buffalo and at the hospital and also great reporters from the NFL Network offering insights on not only, uh, you know, the Hamlin situation, but also what the Bills-Bengals game situation would be, whether they'd replay it or whether they're not going to replay it and how they would break that down. All that is is important because I, you know, we got to do a podcast talking football and we can do the same things uh, simultaneously. We could devote our energies and our time and our hearts to DeMar Hamlin and his family and this incredible fight that he's in right now. But we could also talk about the games and acknowledge and be self-aware that saying, hey, the games might feel like they're secondary and they don't matter, but they also are um, part of the NFL. And it's the final week of what's been an amazing season. And uh, we got to tackle that, too. I I thought McDermott and Zach Taylor were incredible on Monday night. And I wanted to use this monologue to kind of give a little, I guess the word would be respect and uh, shine, props, if you will, for their grace under fire. Uh, the story goes that, you know, Zach Taylor was down there and... Sean McDermott said to him, said like, I've got to go to the hospital. I got to be with DeMar and Zach Taylor, not thinking about what that would mean for playoff potential, not thinking that his team was, was rolling, not thinking that, okay, yes. So now if your team refuses to take the field, but my team stays, we get a forfeit and that would actually help us in the state. Like that stuff wasn't even, even in his mind. It wasn't even brought up. And Zach Taylor was like, of course. And then what Taylor said was his captains, Burrow and the guys were like, can we go and speak with the Bills captains? Which doesn't happen. And of course, Zach Taylor grabbed McDermott and was like, the, the captains want to speak to your captains. Like, yes, talk. And it was decided right then and there that they're not going to take the field. Um, Zach Taylor, on a fourth and one earlier this season, called an end around to Trent Taylor, and I got stuffed at the goal line against the Chiefs. And I remember going on Twitter in real time, and the amount of vitriol and the amount of just fire this guy. This is a guy who had been to the Super Bowl a year earlier, 
Um, and a guy whose players love him and has taken the Bengals from the like the immediate reaction when we watch these games is that these coaches, if they can't get a fourth down call right, or if they mismanage the clock, or fire them, fire them, fire them. I don't know. My takeaway from this week was there is so much more to coaching than in-game management and you know fourth down calls and timeouts. There is a emotional element to this. There is a leadership element to this, and there is truly a human element to this. And I think that's part about being a coach that maybe doesn't get talked about enough. And that's why some coaches who, who do have, um, you know, maybe questionable calls or losing records, get another shot because people in the building know that this guy's a leader of men and women. And then this guy is different than just, uh, an almanac or a binder that you go to and say, what do I do on fourth and three? Here's what it's, here's what they tell you. I think about the different teams and the tragedies, that they've had to face and how these coaches are turned to um, and they're asked to lead the bills this season. I mean, gosh, has any team in the history of the sport had to go through more just negative, 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 adverse situations time after time for time, not to go through a timeline of it. And if they do win the super bowl, trust me, this is going to be a hell of a book that McDermott writes. Uh, but the owner, Kim Pagula, fell on some unfortunate health events this summer. That leads to uh, a season where Dawson Knox, star tight end, his brother uh, unexpectedly passes away early in season. Beloved player, his brother passes away. You're talking about multiple weather events. You're talking about a senseless killing in a supermarket in Buffalo that rocked that, that market in a way that obviously trickles down to the team. Talking about a fire on New Year's Eve that did not get a lot of national press that killed many people in the city. And you're talking about uh, a team that was coming off of a year where they came just short of reaching the AFC Championship game and lost in historic fashion. You add this piece to this, you're talking about resiliency, but you're also talking about leadership. That these guys all turn to Sean McDermott and say, that's our dude. And when it comes to Zach Taylor, those Bengals players all turn to Zach Taylor and say, that's our dude. They're not worried about the fourth and one call about Trent to turn Taylor in week six or whatever it was. They're not thinking about Sean McDermott and a decision in the AFC Championship game not to squib kick it or how they handled the final moments of that game, uh, the AFC Divisional round last year. Uh, coaching is a lot more than that. Coaching is emotional IQ. Coaching is being a person that everyone in the building can go to and coaching is having the amount of vulnerability that you can have to turn to others and say, Hey, I need a hand. I, I, I've been exchanging texts with a lot of these coaches. One of the interesting things, New York giants head coach, Brian Dable, you know, Brian Dable was a coach on the staff when they drafted DeMar Hamlin last year. And Brian Dable, when he got the job in Buffalo, was short of work with his general manager, Joe Shane, who we've had on as a guest here, who was part of the front office that that drafted um, DeMar Hamlin a season ago. And part of what they wanted to do is they wanted to be, build a culture and they wanted to build um, things the way that they had it in Buffalo, where it's the right kinds of people and, and in the face of what Sean McDermott was leading and also from top to bottom on the roster, guys that you want to be around and guys that you want to fight for and guys you want to fight with. And they went and did that. They went and brought in Davis Webb. They went and they brought in John Feliciano. They went out and they got back Matt Breida and Isaiah Hodgins and uh, Nick McLeod, who was in the same defensive backfield as as uh, DeMar Hamlin last year in Buffalo. He's now a giant. All up and down that Giants building and in that locker room are former Bills. 
and it's the coach, it's the GM, it's players. And I think about coaching and Dayball having to come to his team and saying, that's one of our brothers. You know, he's not with us in, in our in our locker room anymore, but we all know that guy. And for those of you guys who don't know that, that guy, there are players on this lock in this locker room who do know that guy and are hurting right now. So many great examples of leadership and coaching this week through this horrible tragedy. Um, and coaches looking to their players and saying, I'm here. I'm someone you can come to. And uh, mental health matters just as much as this Week 18 battle. Uh, I love that our league has rallied around this and that we've seen the the best that the league has to offer. And by the league, I mean the players, the coaches, and all the people who work uh, at the various organizations. And I hope that everything uh, does take a turn for the better. As we're recording this, we're waiting for for great news. Um, but I also know it is appropriate to talk about football, and we're going to do that. There's a football podcast, and uh, we're going to look at the games on Sunday, but we're also going to look at some of the some of the different storylines that goes into it. And we're talking about leadership so much, and I think that's the theme of, of this week's show. Uh, ironically, a quote that I love um, that comes up, there's a NFL Films series called The Missing Rings, and it's really good. And The Missing Rings chronicles all the great teams that didn't win Super Bowls, and it's different teams get a different hour. And they did the 90s Bills, and this must have been from like five years ago. And Marv Levy looks to the camera. Marv Levy was, of course, the Hall of Fame coach of the Bills who lost four Super Bowls. He looks to the camera and he says, after that first Super Bowl, after the Norwood missed field goal, he came into the locker room and the guys were devastated. And he quoted Sir Andrew Barton, and he said this poem aloud. Now, Marv Levy has a military background. He's a military historian. He was able to rattle this off to his guys after a heartbreaking loss in the Super Bowl. He said, fight on, my men. I am hurt, but I am not slain. I lay me down and bleed a while, and then I'll rise, and I'll fight again. And I get chills saying it, but I think about what we're asking from these players this week and we're asking from all these different coaches and we're asking from broadcasters and we're asking from those folks who work in the medical community who will be at the game doing what they always do on Sundays. Fight on my men and uh, I'm hurt, but I'm not slain. I'll lay me down and bleed a while and I'll fight again. I think of that. Um, we got to get up and we can all have a, uh, all of our emotions and our hearts and our prayers with uh, DeMar Hamlin. But um, the games will be played, and we've got to do our best to, to go there and do the best job we can, either playing in it, coaching it, or covering it. Our guest today is going to be one of the most coveted men to get in an interview anywhere. He agreed to do it on Tuesday. He's been gracious enough to do it on Thursday. And he also knows a thing or two about uh, overcoming not only tragedy, but uh, in the face of adversity. Our guest is going to be Sean Payton, and we're going to be open and honest with Sean, and he's going to talk to us about what he wants to be in the future, whether that be a TV analyst or a coach, and which place he might end up with. We have not recorded the interview yet, but I'm hopeful that you're going to come away from it saying, not only is Sean Payton a great coaching candidate, but that Sean Payton's a great leader of men. And I think that's a good theme for this week, leadership, um, and hopefully you enjoy the interview. 
All right, let's bring him in here. Uh, Super Bowl winning coach, one of the greatest to ever do it. He's a current colleague of mine at Fox Sports, and uh, you're going to hear his name a bunch over the next few days. Uh, and I've grown to to look at him as one of my closest friends. I love working with this guy, and I'm sad uh, those days might be coming to an end soon. Sean Payton, welcome to the season with Peter Schrager. Peter, I appreciate um, – first off, I appreciate our friendship. You mentioned it. It's funny. Um, we get so in tune – to our own jobs. And then all of a sudden, uh, there's a switch for me. I meet guys like you, Carissa, Charles and, uh, Michael and, and everyone else there, um, in, in not only a new career, but really in a new light relative to how we interact and get a chance to visit. And I, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's, you, you've helped me immensely and, but it's it, the reason we have good jobs, I think, is about the people. And I always that's why my job at the Saints was a good job, because it was the, about the people and ownership there. Mickey Loomis and the job at Fox is good because of that. Yeah, I, I see your face and I, and I smile because we just have a great time together. And yet I also see your face and I, I think of the word leader. And I started this whole podcast off doing a, a monologue of sorts about leadership. And my big takeaway was. You know, we critique in a in a football world, especially online and on TV. Like, hey, how does how does Zach Taylor not kick the field goal instead of why is he going for it on fourth and one when the odds say this? Or how does Sean McDermott not squib kick that in the AFC divisional round? And you say, well, fire that coach, get rid of that coach. That coach sucks. And then you see the emotional intelligence and the leadership of how both those men immediately sprung to action like generals on, on, a, on a field of war um, and were able to lead men through some of the darkest times of the last 72 hours. I look to you as a lifetime uh, you know, leader of men and as a, as a coach. What was your takeaway? And maybe my question to you is, when you identify a leader, is it, is it something that we maybe at home don't, don't, don't get to see because of all the stuff that goes into coaching that, that maybe isn't exactly in the, the field of play for those three hours? Well, I think you, we get glimpses of it, um, surely. But I, but I feel like they exist in our children's schools, great leaders. Um, we, just, we just don't maybe equate them in that light. I, I think having two children myself, um, if during the course of their lifetime, they're blessed with uh, two or three different individuals, might be a counselor, might be a, a teacher when they were in grade school, might be a coach, um, maybe a, 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 an art professor, um, somebody that loves them as much as we, their parents do, and, and impacts their lives in, in such a way that that's the greatest gift we can get as parents. And so... Um, I think what we saw the other night were two individuals along with the teammates that uh, cared for an individual uh, just as we would their parents. And, and I've known Sean um, for a long time. You know, he, he was started with the Eagles uh, and was there uh, oh, cutting his teeth under the late Jim Johnson and Andy Reid, and then Zach, I haven't worked with, uh, but I've had a chance to visit with or talk with. But to watch uh, their leadership the other evening was was really cool. Uh, and I was watching it like you were live. Um, uh, you know, you saw the concern on on their faces, just like you did with the the, the players. 
And, um, you know, that, that on the ground leadership relative to understanding this is what's happening to my team right now. This is what I think is best. Uh, and then eventually the league, you know, having a chance to visit with those coaches and kind of acquiesce and say, Hey, we, we, we trust your opinions. Um, I thought that was, uh, th- there were a lot of things that, uh, I don't want to use the word we're encouraging, encouraging, but man, you, you, we all went to bed with prayer, but we also went to bed with like, uh, that, that moment we stopped for a second and it was like recalibrated and, and now mm-hmm. you see the whole country, um, each morning I get up in the morning and I quickly go to the news to see if there's an update. And I just keep thinking to myself, I, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall when his family's explaining to him the $8 million balance in his toys for right. charity that when right. the last he recalled, you know, he, he was handling like a part of a neighborhood. Like, you know, he's going to yeah, need a $2,500 goal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so he's going to need um, a lot of assistance and I'm sure he'll find that to, uh, distribute that much, uh, in toys. But, um, yeah, I, I think it, it gave us all a chance to quickly recalibrate to your point and recognize, um, these individuals beyond their football helmets, these coaches beyond their decisions with clipboards and, and all of the other things we get. So now you, you just kind of, you, you get in a habit and a routine and, um, this was one of those moments where I, I think that there were parts of it that made you proud to be a part of what we do and to see the human response to this. And, and we continue to pray for, for his recovery. We do. Um, when you were the coach of the Saints, the city, the organization, I mean, you're talking coming off of Katrina. We're talking about, you know, I don't want to go down this road, but like, you know, Will Smith was one of your greatest players nah. was tragically murdered. And like, you've got to talk to the team the next day. I, is that the stuff that you look back on and say, well, that's what leadership is. Or is it, Hey, I'm going to call an onside kick I, in, well, in the Super Bowl and we're going to shock the world. I, I think it's all of the above. Um, you mentioned the, the, the tragic death of Will Smith. Um, I also, I, I can recall the day we found out Steve Gleason was diagnosed with ALS mm-hmm. and we were, Flying to Seattle, we were playing uh, in the wild card round of the 2010 playoffs, and and then talking, you know, basically talking to our team about that in the team meeting the night before. And um, I, I think I think we 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 know that there's a lot of time spent in those football buildings, just like there's a lot of time spent. I mean, every time I turn the TV on, you guys at Good Morning Football. That's, there's a lot of hours. And so you become very close to your peers and your coworkers. And I think that same thing exists. And so um, they are in some ways a, a family. And I've heard the term brotherhood and all of those uh, other terms. Um, and it's, it's because of common goals. It's oftentimes because of the amount of time we're all together, yeah, but there's a love and, and a caring for one another. And so um, inevitably when you're dealing with large numbers of teams there, you know, on any given week, there's, there's somebody that's aching or someone that's not feeling good. There's someone who's got personal problems. It could be a coach, an assistant coach, a player. When you take that big a group of people, 
um, that comes up pretty regularly. And, and so how do you deal with that? And how do you, um, how do you listen? You know, sometimes that's a really good trait that we, we don't pay enough attention to. And, uh, and then how do you react and, and act on that? And, and so, um, certainly for me is, you know, is, is I'm watching this week and watching the game the other night, you know, I, I think our biggest fear, and I do recall thinking of this, our biggest fear as a teacher or coach is, man, having something terribly wrong happen to one of your players while you're on watch, you know, and mm-hmm. um, it's been a while, uh, but we, we had a, oh, a string of adversity. And I say that there, there was a college death and a professional player's death in training camp because of the heat and, and, um, so you're always, as a, as a teacher, we're taught to secure the field, you know, a, make it a safe environment, um, you know, equipment outside the parameters of the sidelines, uh, all these little things that y- you don't want a player to get injured because we, we, we didn't have the field set up correctly or our drills set up correctly. And that same thing applies in training camp with the heat. Um, it applies. Um, it, it's 24-7. Um, and they're your responsibility. And, and that's a, a pretty powerful thing. And um, I thought both Zach and Sean were, were unbelievable the other night. I remember COVID, you were the first one to say, you know what, screw it. We're putting our whole team in a hotel. Like, you guys are going to stay at the Ritz. You're going to be, or was it the, the yeah, same Regis, I, whatever it was. I, well, it's um, there's some things that you look at, they seem like, oh, that's a big change to do that. And it's, and yet it's very small if it keeps everyone safe. Yep. Your name was the biggest name last weekend. There were reports about teams being interested in you. We know Denver fired, fired their coach, Nathaniel Hackett, a couple weeks ago. There's going to be a vacancy likely in Carolina, all these things. Let's set the stage, though. What is your current contract status because i think a lot of people are confused they're like well then isn't he with the saints and how does that work can you just on the record explain to us what your status yeah. is and then also what would have to happen <laughs> if a if a team were to want to inquire your because i don't i don't know exactly if and i certainly don't think the the listeners know like well can they even talk to him like just go through it for us yeah um well it's a good question because look it doesn't happen often and right now and I say this, I'm happily employed at Fox with a good contract and a good job with uh, people like yourself. Relative to the NFL, my contract that I have with the Saints essentially runs through 23 and 24, so two more seasons. So if something were to happen, Peter, and, and, and I say this, I think there's this assumption like all these deals are getting done right now and and. Honestly, yeah. uh, like I, like we said at the beginning, I'm, I'm I get up this morning. I'm having a Noah's bagel, Asiago cheese with coffee. <laughs> um, I'm going to walk the dogs, and uh, my wife and uh, mother in law uh, will probably do something this afternoon. We're we're still weeks away from the period where maybe a week away or two weeks away from the period yeah. where other teams. Um, would put it in a request and, and that would simply, So you're not on the phone with the agent. Tell me here what's going on. Like, no, it's not no, that. no, that's not the, that's not the vibe right now. It's not Manhattan beach. It's a little cold here. Um, <laughs> we're at the South end of that, like that, that like winter swall or whatever that is. The, what's it called? The bomb cyclone, um, that San the Francisco's getting, but we're getting a lot of rain here and I'm sure this state needs it. So because of those two years existing on a contract with the saints, 
if in fact there was interest by another team, the first step would be permission to to speak with me, and that would be the other team, you know, talking to Mickey Loomis, ownership of the Saints, asking for permission to uh, to visit. Then, if it got to a point where it was serious and and there was interest, uh, I'm sure that compensation then would would take place, and it, very similar to a player trade. So essentially, what I don't know is what that compensation would be because that would be. Yeah. Mickey and the Saints and, and, and the club that had that interest. So that's essentially it in a nutshell. Uh, 23 and 24 uh, seasons I'm under contract with New Orleans, and I'm also working at Fox. And there isn't, there's there's nothing pressing right now. I, is, certainly you think about some of the jobs that have opened, and yet I kind of like the job I have with you guys. And you you know that that's real because you, you see me on that's set. That's genuine. Yeah, I, I mean, know. It's, we it's have a like, blast. I, he hasn't left the building yet, you know, and, and and so I just like going over there. There is a little bit of that void, you know, when you leave the coaching realm, which is obviously seven days a week, a lot of time and hours, and then all of a sudden it's quiet and and, and you go to work once a week and it's on Sunday only. Um, my clothes like are laid out, my socks, my, you know, what I'm, what I'm wearing is laid out Saturday night, go to bed early. And, you know, we're in there, what, five in the morning on, on Sundays. Yeah. Uh, so that is, uh, that's a huge day for me. It, meaning it's a day to, to be around football and be around uh, people that are, that are talking football, that are around the people, you're like you're on field covering games. Because uh, it's, it's quite a change when you go from one extreme to the other. And so Sunday is that like smorgasbord of, all right, you're there, and, and and time to go home. And you're like, I don't want to go. <laughs> I'm gonna watch. Today. I love this. <laughs> I miss this. Yeah. You know, one of the things I remember, John Lynch and I were on the same crew for years. I was a sideline reporter. He was the broadcaster, and you know, behind closed doors, he had indicated like you know a desire to someday get back in the NFL. And I was on the crew the same weekend. He actually spoke with Atlanta, or spoke with San Francisco about the Atlanta. I'm sorry, about the GM job while we were in Atlanta doing a Seattle-Atlanta job. I didn't even know about it. He didn't tell me about it, and then I found out later. Um, one of the things John said to me was, I missed the scoreboard. You know, I call all these games, but I missed the scoreboard, and I had this burning desire. Do you miss the scoreboard? I know it's just been one year, but do you miss at the end of that Sunday that there's no win and loss at the end? It's kind of like, yeah. Sean, you did a good job. You made a great point about Teddy Bridgewater. All right, go home. Yeah, I think – I totally get that because you can have a real good day on Sunday with some of your insider predictions or your narratives. Um, maybe some days not so so good, but you do drive home and, 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 you know, you probably get home in time or you fly home in time to watch a little Sunday night football. Uh, man, it's, it's hard to, um, it's hard to replace that drug of winning though. And that, mm. you know, the, the amount of work that goes in to a game plan and with your, players and coaches and as an organization everyone is working their tails off and then to enjoy that in a locker room celebration and, and you know we we tried to become the best at what we did uh winning and then we tried to celebrate better than anyone as well like you know with the fancy <laughs> speaker system and and but it's uh it's 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 something and and so I, I would describe if I was painting the perfect analogy relative to yeah. me um, coaching again, it it's like there's this 
NASCAR racetrack about two blocks away from where I'm staying now with the lights on. And I can hear the cars running around the track. I can smell the gasoline and, and I can even hear the PA announcer. And so like today I'll get out and I'll walk the dogs and I'll look over there. And I, I think there's, you just know at some point you're going to go back to that track, but you don't know when. Oh, you got, I mean, you're great. I love the way of words you have. And I, I look at these jobs. There are going to be several. I, I would ask you, and you tell me when I'm asking too many questions, and you could say, Schrager, shut up. We're not trying to make news here. We're just having a conversation. <laughs> but what do you value most when you're looking at these jobs? Is it the quarterback? Is it the city? Is it the owner? Is it the I, When you're putting down your pros and cons, what, what, is, what is on that list? It's what we just talked about relative to Zach and Sean and, and their teams. Uh, and, and we talked about it with our job. And I, and I mean this, this sounds cliche, but it's people. Um, I'll give you an example. When I interviewed with the Saints, I had already interviewed in Green Bay and, and had a really good interview there. The late Ted Thompson was the general manager at the time. Um, there there a, a ton of good folks in that building. And I'm from Chicago, so obviously that's fairly close to home. And, and they have a storied tradition. Um, I taken that interview and was back and now I was interviewing at the Saints waiting to hear from the Packers. Now New Orleans was post Katrina and yeah. I can't explain flying in there first off when when homes have trouble after a huge hurricane there's a lot of blue tarps on all the roofs. So when you landed you saw thousands of blue roofs that were just temporarily uh covering up the holes in the roofs. Airport was empty. Mickey Loomis picks me up. I kind of like this guy, Mickey Loomis. Um, we're going to have dinner that night. I like him even more. Uh, and that evening, I find out that I, I didn't get the Packers job. I, you know, I remember just getting the voicemail and like ripping my phone into the pillow and just being like, ah. And, uh, and then the focus shifted a little bit more towards New Orleans. And despite all the things that, we could have drawn from that visit, which were negative. There were so many. Um, the schools weren't open yet. Hospitals. I, I think as a country, I, and I was in Dallas at the time, but I don't know about you, but as a country, I don't know that the, I think the concern was, hey, are we going to have New Orleans again? Like, in other words, it didn't yeah. just go away, did it, with that storm? And so football was kind of like way down the list on priorities as far as recovery. But hindsight, and, and I, I get back to the topic of people, um, ownership, Mickey Loomis, Dennis Louster, the club president, all, all these people were in place that were a part of what we were going to build. And so I think finding that right triangle, if you will, of ownership, front office employees, we'll, we'll get the players. You, you know, I, I don't say that lightly, but I think we'll, we'll figure out who the quarterback's going to be. and. Those things we can change easy. Uh, it may take a minute, but yeah, I think that's important. And I also think the fan base is important because it tells you a little bit how serious. Like, you know, I, I was spoiled in New Orleans. You know, there's a waiting list of 30,000 people for season tickets there. Yeah. And so you knew yeah. when you played there, it was a tough place to play. That equates to, that equates to something over a period of time, certain amount of wins. And so you go into Seattle, you know, it's going to be, a tough place, Kansas City, Minnesota. These these are passionate fan bases, Green Bay, Pittsburgh. You know, I'm only hitting a few, 
but it's it's enjoyable to go to work there maybe uh, i think it would be more challenging when you see a lot of people dressed up in empty seats the quarterback position is interesting though cuz you had breeze for all those years but we didn't and i was texting you yesterday we didn't when we got there explain well when we when got, you got there, there breeze is a free agent he take t- tell the story of the visit by the way the drive you took with breeze through the ninth ward i love all this right. so when we get there we have all we we know is we have the second pick of the draft so we know that we're more than likely looking at a quarterback with that pick and man we are spending a lot of time on liner Cutler, Cutler, Liner, Vince Young. Who else in that draft? I'm tr- yeah, Vince, Vince Young. Young. Yeah, those are the tr- those are the three projected first round, top of the first round players. Um, and we were at the combine the day the offensive linemen were working out. The reason I know that is that's the only day I sit in the end zone at the combine, the old Indianapolis Stadium. All right, and yeah. so uh, I was sitting in that end zone section, and we found out Drew had been released by the Chargers. Of course. Uh, for people that didn't know that, on the last game of the season, the last game of the season, last he, he was playing. Game. He he tore he fully tore his throwing shoulder, um, and it was an injury that really a, no other player in our league had ever had before. Fully torn uh, rotator cuff or shoulder, and so there was no precedent. There was no like ah, this had been done. This is what the rehab. It was it was a significant injury, and, and it was going to cost him a lot of time. Um, but we got that news. We began like doing our due diligence and long story short, he's rehabbing. We're going to bring him in for a visit. The dolphins are going to do the same. Um, and we're kind of, we haven't hit the draft yet. You know, we, we, the draft is going to be at the end of April. So we're between, I'm going to say we're in March and the competition for Drew, it's two teams. It's Miami and, and, and Coach Saban, ourselves. And uh, Drew happened to be rehabbing in Birmingham where uh, – With Dr. Um, Andrews. Dr. Andrews. Andrews. Yeah, he's got a couple locations, yeah. right? And so Andrews did the surgery. We bring Drew in. We've got this – now, we were – when I say we were at that time uh, a complete – business startup like there was like eight coaches at the time on our staff um we were in temporary offices um we all agreed that we weren't going to use the k-word anymore so no one could say katrina anymore it couldn't be used right and then it was like we were celebrating each little marginal victory we signed scott pagita as a free agent we were like booge great he chose us he chose us and like where else did he have to choose we're like that was us (laughs) And, us and us. Okay, yeah, yeah. he chose us though. But he's coming. Yeah. All right. And uh, but it was really a, the 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 beginning of of the start of all of this. And uh, so here comes Drew and Pete Carmichael, who at that time was my quarterback coach. I just hired Pete was at the Chargers as a quality control coach. And so Pete knew Drew. Actually, was in meetings with Drew. And so there was like this tie. It was purely coincidental, obviously, because I'd hired Pete. And it was, you know, months later that we were recruiting Drew. But Pete gave us a, a good liaison, if you will, uh, and a go-between. You know, here's some of the offensive philosophies that he knows. These are some of the tags we're putting in the offense. We'll change how we're calling it based on, you know, if, if Drew's coming, we'll call, we'll call these plays what he already knows. You know, it's easy for us yeah. to adjust. So we've got the whole PowerPoint and everything. It goes great. I mean, I'm telling you, we've got the finger food. 
the wife's uh, Brittany. I think it's maybe a day of shopping in Magazine Street, maybe a, a spa somewhere. Um, <laughs> then I've got a chance. I'm like, I volunteer. Like, hey, I'll show them some property. And not knowing any, any better, well, this was a complete mistake, right? I've only been there a month, and, and I'm driving them around. We go to the North Shore. And if you're not familiar with New Orleans, it's like it's like you're, you're in New York, and you're saying, hey, we're going to go over to Jersey, all right? Yeah, it's yeah. a different area, but it's an option to live, right? So yeah, Sure, people live there. 40 minutes across the bridge, 40 minutes back, a couple wrong turns. The next thing you know, I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and Brittany is in the back seat, and you know, that Sunday afternoon drive where, you know, you're on the way home and sh- she's dozing off. Drew's kind of looking at me and, and he can see the pilot is concerned. All right. I'm concerned. You can look the, the cockpit does not look great right no, now. It doesn't look good. It looks definitely un- uh, disheveled. Little, that would be the word. sweat coming down. <laughs> disheveled. <Yeah>. And so <laughs> it's not too long ago, 2006, we, we didn't have like directions on a phone. We had a Blackberry. Yeah. yeah. All right. We had a Blackberry. I happened to have a flip at the time. So if I wanted to text somebody, it was three times to get the letter C. You with me? All right. So <laughs> I call, I call, I call home base, Mickey Loomis. Mickey, yeah. He goes, where you at? He goes, we've been waiting on you. I said, ah, kind of lost. Um, so some, eventually we, we get back. I take him off to dinner. And I just remember thinking I should just drive him right now to Miami. That was like, it. It's over. It's 100%. Over. And uh, he saw things that these eyes should not see. No, it was not. They were not on. It was not on the trip itinerary. I was off the itinerary. Um, and but it was one of those things, though, that we look back on and laugh. Um, and then slowly. Slowly, the collection of the right people is what brought success. Yeah. And, and so I, I do think we're uh, and, and, and that's not just a loan to the NFL. That that's I think any business with the collection of the right people who were, you know, kind of motivated and, and um, forward thinking, unselfish and smart. Uh, you can do a lot. Well, you tell that story and the writer journalist in me ties it all up and says, 20 years later, those two guys in the car help rebuild that city. Yeah. And that, that area, that area that you were so you know scared to be in and driving through looked like it, it had been rocked is probably right now in a lot better shape. And not saying it's it's the work of Sean Payton and Drew Brees, but you better believe that you guys are in the soil there at New Orleans for the last twenty years. Yeah, that was. Listen, I don't know that any of us knew truly. We all knew we were going to a place to to play football and a place that hadn't had success. And those early stages, you know, the only jump ball. Everyone that came came with a clear promotion. You know, I got a head coaching job. Yeah. You know, we didn't win any ties. You know, Joe Bitt was the only guy that had other opportunities of the same value. And he chose us. The rest of us all came for promotion, but how drew ended up there, how Reggie Bush ended up there. There's so many different stories that tie it all together, but none of us could have imagined the significance of that timing. You know, I heard this term the other night. I thought it was interesting that the 06 team that first year we went to the NFC championship game and it wasn't our best team. Um, I've said two things about that team. It was our toughest team. So if that team got in a bar fight with any of the other teams, I, I think 06 w- would have won that fight. And I think it was our most important team. The 09 team obviously won a Super Bowl, 11. We, we had a number of great, great teams. But the the significance 
of that first year relative to what that city was going through. And so I think one of the things that is pretty cool, and, it, and it's back to your, I'm jumping backwards here to your question about decisions mm-hmm. relative to existing teams, is sometimes those challenges where everyone says, no way, and you're like, I can totally see it there. And and it's the adversity that becomes somewhat comical, and you have those moments where you're building that when people say it's the journey, it really is. It's not the end. It's not holding the prize. It's all the, it's like, you don't want that to end. It's, it's, it's the, it's the, you know, you, you're running around trying to catch the chicken and you pick it up and you've caught it. You're like, what do I do now? You throw it and you start chasing it again. And, and that's it. You like to chase. Yeah. It's, it's that. Um, and so I think back to that triangle, you just want that clear opportunity like the other teams have, and you don't want to be handicapped or handcuffed to where, I mean, it's impossible. And and so there's nothing, you know, it, we've all been in a job where you're like, ah, you're looking at something early on and you, you've got to fight through this job. It's not the perfect job, but for one reason or another, the success you're hoping to attain may take a while. Quarterback position. See, this is great. Quarterback position. Do you, have a preference veteran to drafting a rookie if you had to? No, 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 no. I, you, you want to, um, you know, someone that's passionate about playing, you know, Parcells had a 10, 10 point checklist for what you're looking for in this position. Oh, please take me through this. Yeah. Bill Parcells, 10 point no, checklist. I'm going to give you a couple. You have it with, give he, me a couple. He wanted a battlefield commander. He didn't, he didn't want the, um, he, I think the word was no prima donnas or yep. Hollywood tie. He just, he wanted someone that would lead. He wanted someone in the weight room with his team. He wanted someone that was part of his team. And he wanted someone that, um, you know, your job is to move the ball and get your team to the end zone. Um, and so history's told us they come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. That History's told us they come from all over our country for the most part. And, and so, um, you know, there's a handful of quarterbacks in this year's draft, that, but there'll be a – a Purdy, I'm sure that not as many, not yep. as many people like that. All of a sudden, we start to look at our draft reports now and say, "Man, how did I miss this guy? How yeah. did I miss this guy?" Right. So that's the great thing about our game. Um, watching him, watching Cody Pickett play, you know, for Pittsburgh. Is that his first name? Is it Kenny? I used to love Cody Pickett. Niners guy was like a oh, rodeo yeah, yeah, driver. Yeah, yeah. Cody Pickett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Kenny Pickett. Pittsburgh's Kenny Pickett. Yeah, watching yeah. him. Uh, the other night, deliver for his team was was fantastic. Um, you know, seeing some of these guys right now in the college stage. You know, I'm kind of right now in the middle of this TCU uh, bandwagon. Yeah. My son's a uh, senior there. He works in the football office as a student assistant. And watching watching last weekend's game, you know, with with TCU and Michigan, our, our, our good friend Charles Woodson had to wear a purple tie the other day. Yep. Then you got Georgia and Ohio State. I mean, that was pretty amazing. Those those two games in in the back and forth. I don't know if I'd like to have been a defensive coach, but um, yeah. so much good quarterback play. Really, when you're watching it, there's, there's they're being developed quicker. I think than before. They're in offenses that are accelerating their learning curve now, and so they come a little bit more ready to our league to play um, than they typically have in the past, and that's a good thing. 
team says, hey, Coach Payton, we love you. We'll pay you X amount of dollars, and we want everything you bring, but we've got a GM already here that we've been working with for years. Is that a non-starter for you? No, no. I, I think um, – no, because, I listen, th- that exact thing happened in New Orleans. And so hmm. Parcells told me this once. It was interesting. He said, you know, when a team makes a change – he goes, you study that roster and those coaches that end up leaving there. Oftentimes, the mistake of a new coach or a new front office, new GM, is they'll jettison some really good talent that really wanted to be there, but they just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. In other words, uh, you know, some, some good talent will leave that building. And so when I look back on that first year in New Orleans, man, there were some key players that were currently already in the building that wanted to be champions, that wanted to work, that wanted structured discipline. Who we got? Deuce McAllister? Man, you Who we talking? Deuce, you had Will Smith. You had Charles Grant. You had Jamar Nesbitt. You had John Stinchcomb going to become a starter. You had a practice squad receiver by the name of Lance Moore, Devery Henderson from Hell LSU. Yeah. Um, I could go on and on. Bullocks. Uh, we had uh, – Look, I don't want to leave players out. Mike Carney, there were a lot of guys that were just waiting for the right. And so I think the mistake sometimes, if, if you go in and you just start evaluate what you see and go by what you see. And the same thing takes place with the within the building. We had scouts and coaches that became part of it that were part of the, the old staff. And so uh, it's, it's back to your question about an existing GM uh, it might be the perfect combination that's waiting to happen. Um, it, certainly you want to meet and visit with them. I just knew yeah. the one positive, and there, it was really, there, there were few and far between, but Mickey made a great first impression. And, you know, he's one of my closest friends to this day. And, and so, but honestly speaking, and he knows this, I kept thinking, man, I like this guy. He's got a lot of work ahead of him. I don't know who he's going to get as a head coach because I thought I'm going to Green Bay. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And that's how the world works. Sometimes, you you know, it's like, wait, I like this guy. Wait, actually it might work out just fine. Um, you're talking a lot about new Orleans. They have a coach, Dennis Allen. I know you're not in, it's not a comfortable conversation, but who knows that might, is there a potential return to new Orleans? I don't think so. And and look, I'm, I'm kind of proud of how those guys are playing and and the way Dennis is handled. They've had some tough adversity early in the season. They had lost some close games, um, they're going to finish the year versus Carolina at home. I, I know that because it's it's one of my picks this week in, in our segment. Um, <laughs> and I think that Dennis is someone that I remember, I mean, that I hired in 2006. So he was on that first staff. Um, so he came wow. as an assistant defensive line coach. I think that was his title. And then eventually became promoted to secondary coach. And then – uh, oh, past 2010, 11, 12, <clears throat> at some point he gets hired to be the defensive coordinator of the Broncos and then went on to become the head coach of the then Oakland Raiders. So, no, guys like Dennis, uh, Dan Campbell, you know how much I'm pulling for him, Doug Marone at one point. You know, we've had a number of guys come through our program, be a part of our staff that went on to become either coordinators or head coaches. And, and I think uh, Dennis is one of those guys that's going to do a really good job. 
couple more questions and then we'll wrap. I hate feeling like this is like you on the hot seat, but this is fun. No, it's, um, it's all good. Hey, when you're done, it's, all right, what yeah. do I have here? What do you got? Cards Against what Humanity. What, what's Hidden Gems Bundle? Yeah. I, okay, bring it this weekend. Yeah. I'll play with you. Uh, yeah, I, I think you'd be pretty good at trivia. I'll bet you'd be real good. Let's do it right now. Do you have it out? What no, is it? it's all oh, bundled. It it's wrapped or is up it wrapped? still. It's wrapped. Christmas gift, a little mm-hmm. you know, stocking stuffer. That's good. Um, so Tom Brady, is he your quarterback wherever you go? How's that for a nice one? Uh, man, I tell you what. Um, that, that, no, I, I think that there are a number of things that play into Tom's decision when I can't speak for Tom. What I haven't talked to Tom. Uh, I, I'm certainly a big fan. It was good to see them play well this past weekend. And, and when I say it was good to see them uh, – I'm I'm actually pulling for New Orleans and against that division. It's just my nature. Um, <laughs> but he and Mike Evans hooked up for you know some big plays. People forget, and I'm not sidestepping this question real quick. You're always, as an evaluator, trying to see how much of the decline has been Tom, or how much has it been the three offensive linemen that were injured, his starting center, yeah. guard. You know, a lot of different faces in the offensive line. Um, who's blocking the D gap? The tight end's gone, Gronkowski. We, all I hear about Gronk is his red zone, his catches. But there's a lot of there's a lot of ditch digging he did. All right, when it came to mm-hmm. their run game, and and so that's gone. There's one receiver less, another receiver coming off an injury. So that cast, and and this is nothing. This is just factual. All right, so I'm not talking about Todd Byron, Tom Brady, or anyone else. That cast changed on the Buccaneers this year on offense um, just because there were some injuries and num- a number of reasons. And so when that cast change, changes like that, the quarterback position is affected. The, the clock in his head's quicker. He's having to throw the ball a little bit quicker. Last week, another tick, another one count, and all of a sudden some balls down the field. So I don't know that I've seen – a drop-off when I watch his team play. Um, I, I've seen a little bit of a drop-off in their offense, but but not necessarily with Tom. And and But certainly to the mind's eye, we can look at it and say, he's, he doesn't look the same. Well, no kidding, he doesn't look the same. And none of us are if, if, if that type of thing changes uh, as part of our 11. We've known each other for years. Um, we both happen to be from the same area in California. Now, I was only there for seven years. That's where he grew up, San Mateo, California. Uh, he went to high school where my brother went to high school. And it wasn't until really 30 years later, 25 years later, that this agent by the name of Don Yee, who represents me and who has Tom, introduced us. We had a joint practice when I was um, with the Giants, Tom's rookie year with the Patriots. Wow. Um, Tom was coached by the late Dick Rabine. Dick was a fantastic coach for us at the Giants, who then went to the Patriots to coach quarterbacks and and had a lot to do with getting Tom there as a draft pick. And anyway, Tom was a backup. Um, I've got some pictures I'll show you where, you know, here are two like really green. When I say green coach and a green player. Um, And so over the years, we've always stayed in touch, never worked together. And uh, I, I think there's too many, too many variables in that equation. If we work together, Shregs, I'm going to predict there's yeah. a good chance if we work together, it'll be with Fox. Really? Well, didn't Brady sign a deal with Fox? 
Yes, but I'm I'm thinking here comes Sean Payton and it's traveling, you know, it's traveling rodeo of of people that are coming with him and it's a defensive coordinator. No, it, and it's can, front can you imagine guy. him in our and green here's, room? And here's the guy in the fourth spot, Tom Brady. <laughs> you're talking. No, he's gonna break can, down. He's gonna break down Saints Panthers hey, film with us. No, Come on, you're really? gonna have, you're gonna have him on a podcast this time next year, and you're gonna be introducing him as hey, one of the guys I see on weekends, you know, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think. Um, and and look, I, I can't honestly. Who can blame him with the contract that, that that was reported relative to to that deal? I know, I know. It was nice. Uh, all right, this is awesome. My last one, I guess, would be if you're a betting man, um, is your next month going to be filled filled with flying to locale to locale and having dinner with billionaire owners, or is this next month going to be, you know what? They can come to me, and or they don't have to come to me. Like, how do you think this is going to play out? Oh, I honestly, I'm the worst at that. I here's what I know. I'm always like eight days in advance. I know we're in the office Sunday, uh, and and we may have a Saturday dinner, but we're in the office Sunday all day. Yep. I know Monday TCU plays um, right here at SoFi Stadium. TCU is playing Georgia. Uh, two great coaches and, and football programs, and we're excited to see that game. I know that I might be golfing on Wednesday of next week. So the point is, though, like I'm the worst at like, oh, I think they're I, – I, I, I do think after this weekend, one of the tough things about our business, and, and I hate that we, we even – use this phrase is black Monday. You don't I, have to, you don't have to even say no. it. We don't even do it anymore on NFL network. We're like, let's just not call it that anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, gloomy, it's, just, it's ridiculous. It's the, you know, end of the season changes are being made. And, uh, and it's tough because if, if it's, if it's a head coach that's going through that, that probably means there's 17 assistant coaches that are, that are going through the same thing. So, um, yeah, it's always a, a tough part of the year. Um, but I, I do think this, the next time we do this podcast, I think we'll have a little bit more clarity. I, I really enjoy yeah. what I'm doing right now. And I have a hard time with fantasy football right now. Like I don't, I don't keep my roster up to date. I, I do all these things that you're not supposed to do. And I think I, I'm the same way when it would come to wagering odds. But I do think um, currently the job I have at Fox, I enjoy. And there's, there's a good chance that, that I'm, I'm doing that again this upcoming year. Wow. Yeah, you know it's funny because I'm looking at our playoff schedule, and Fox has two wild card rounds, two divisional rounds, an NFC Championship game, and then we host the Super Bowl. Fox. So in my head, I was talking to my wife Erica, who you got to know, and I'm like, "Gosh, I love Coach so much, and I want him to get the best job that he can in head coaching." But I'm also selfishly like, "We got a cool month ahead where we're going to be doing a lot of football talk together, and I don't want him to leave. I want him to be there." No question. The Super Bowl. So, Peter, I, for our audience. I want to explain to them last night, um, just random, randomly, Shregs will send me something like, hey, I'm just looking here. Drew Brees set the all-time uh, <laughs> touchdown pass mark or yardage mark. It was one of these three. It was a Chris Ivory throw. It was a Jimmy Graham throw or a Darren Sproles. And right away, I'm like Darren Sproles. I knew, I knew the play. I had the ball. All right. You know, here's what it is. Mahomes is – you can finish it, but I want to give Mahomes you context. is close to breaking it, Mahomes right? Mahomes is – He's 4.30 away from breaking the record, which Manning yeah. broke from Breeze. But I'm looking at the f – I'm a sick pup, and if you listen to this podcast, you know I have a lot, a lot of interest in, like, deep football stuff that maybe not everyone does. Coach Payton and I share that deep love. No, and no it's like my, my kindred spirit. So I said, 
Trivia. Who caught the pass when Breeze broke Dan Marino's 27-year record of passing yards in a season? And I said, was it Chris Ivory? Was it Marcus Colson? Was it Darren Sproles? Or was it, I think I even said Robert Meacham. And coach, take it away. Yeah, so right away, as soon as he gave me the options, I saw one of them, you know, right away I knew it was Sproles. I, I put down B. Right away, B. He got it like right when he sent it, and then I, and then I wrote following. I said, "I have the ball," and he he just went nuts. <laughs> so that being said, when when you do these podcasts, I don't know if people at home do this, but I do. I I prop the computer on something. I'm going to give you three choices. This laptop, oh. Peter, is propped on one of three choices: a a Christmas set of Riddell four four wine glasses. You know, a, okay. a four pack of Riddell um, looks like, yes. yeah, it looks like a Cabernet wine glasses <laughs> or it's propped on um, a Frito-Lay five pack of Cheetos, Sun Chips, Doritos, <laughs> chili and cheese Fritos, or it's propped <laughs> on two boxes of cereal, one being Apple Jacks and the other box being Raisin Bran. So A- the Riddell wine glass gift set, B, the Frito-Lay five-pack of chips, or C, all right, C, the unhealthy cereal boxes of Apple Jacks. And uh, what I say, the second one I'm looking at right here, Apple Jacks and um, Raisin Bran. I'm going to go with B. I'm going to say we got the potato chip variety pack that you bought while walking through a bodega in Manhattan Beach. You were like, ah, let's pick it up. We may eat it. We might not. You know what? Those don't go old. I'm going to say we got some 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 Frito-Lay Fritos that we're resting this laptop on. Can we, ha- can we have a drum roll? Yes! I got it right! I got it right! Right from the Sam's Club, it looks like. Yes! Are we getting this? Are we getting that. this good? We... Can, can you see? We got it? that. That is so delicious. Oh, I want it all right now too. Sun chips. That's the healthy option, huh? Those don't go eaten. I I can't. <laughs> no one's eating sun chips. I can't believe you got B. I, I I'm taking the Riddell wine glass, and I had to like put my eyes down there, like I was reading each one, and I struggled with yeah, the second box so good. of cereal. <laughs> that was good. Uh, do you remember? So real quick, you guys will love this. You know, here's this Hall of Fame coach, and there's this me, Mr. Hotshot on TV. Um, he's about to go on the Manning cast, and, I, and I'm and i like, oh, yeah, what's good? And coach just sends me a text. It's a picture of his Jersey Mike sub he's about to eat. So sure enough, sure enough, a couple of weeks later, I'm stuck in LAX airport. I take a selfie. I got my club sub, number nine, baby. I'm in. Let's go. Just shoving my face with Jersey Mike's. That's the good stuff. No question. No question. It's, uh, yeah, it's, is. Honestly, so I have this eight sleep app that, that grades my sleep, and it's simple. Okay. It's just a mattress cover, um, uh, and, and it, look, it can chill, it can warm, and it reads your heart rate, all those things, how long you slept for. And I said to my wife the other day, I said, hey, my eight sleep just asked me if I've changed professions. She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it says, <laughs> really? well, you're, you're averaging eight and a half hours per, per night sleep compared to your Four and a half. And, and we just started laughing. With it. But yeah. So the first thing I do when I get up is like, what's my grade? What I get? I got a 92 this yeah. morning. I had eight hours awesome. and four minutes. Um, slept well. And uh, there's quite a bit of rain here. But um, no, I, well, I we're laughing. Yeah, we're, we're having fun. We're having fun. And we're talking about a lot of things. Uh, and I, I listen, I say this 
I appreciate our friendship and, and yeah. it's easier. Uh, after this week, you, you just want to make sure those people, if, if we all as human beings are just a little kinder, a little closer, a little smarter, hug a little bit more to see what went on to start our week and to watch uh, our country's response, our league's response, our, our peers responses. It just gives you a, um, a good feeling relative to the, the spirit. And uh, so we're pulling for DeMar's health and, and recovery. Uh, and each day it sounds like it's getting better and, and we continue to, uh, we, we all want to see that picture where he just looks at that balance and, 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 and it, oh my gosh, it, it's almost like a movie, Eight million, right? You just like, you know, those movies where they talk about like, you've been asleep for this long and it, it's hopefully we get that, that happy ending. We're all praying. Hey, that's a perfect way to end this coach. Uh, we thought maybe this would be a 15, 20 minute chat. You went the full hour. I love you, man. No, uh, we're going, wait. we're going an hour. We're, we're going we're, as long we're, as we we're want. going. Yeah. I will see you this weekend. We'll have some Riddell wine. Um, we'll laugh a bunch, and then I'll uh, bring the sun chips. If you're the coach, of, <laughs> yeah, you bring the sun chips. And if you're the co- coach of the Houston Texans in a week, we'll say, yeah, well, we didn't know that then, but now we know it now. I'm just kidding. Uh, have an amazing rest of your week, and then uh, we'll talk some football this weekend. You're the best. You, you're the best too. We'll see you, Peter. I love that guy. Uh, Sean Payton is. It was awesome. I didn't know him like this. I, I think he said that we just became friends this year. Like he was always a coach and I would do sidelines and I'd go in there and he was always very engaging, but Sean always had his guys in the media. And one of them was Jay Glazer at Fox. And I was always like, you know what? I have my guys. Glazer's got his Schefter's got his. It's like, and I never really made the effort. And I never, never really thought Sean wanted to make the effort with me. And then sure enough, we worked together at Fox and I'll consider this guy a friend for life. Um, a leader, an incredibly charismatic guy. He's funny as hell. And I think a lot of the things he said were poignant. I also think um, after that full hour, I don't, I can't take away if, if he wants to coach or not, if he's going to be coaching or not. And maybe that's the beauty of it. He plays his cards uh, pretty much what feels like wide open. And yet I come away from that interview saying, if I had to put money on whether he's back or not, I'd say, please pass. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I want to say back. I mean, back at Fox, we've been lucky to have him. I started this podcast about an hour ago talking about DeMar Hamlin and how we're going to transition to talk about football. We ended it with big laughs and uh, Sean Payton and I talking about sun chips and whether they're a a chip worth eating and Jersey Mike's and and how we've been uh, sleeping a little better since uh, his coaching days are ending. Uh, Love you guys for listening. I hope this brought you some joy in what was a very weird week for an NFL fan. And uh, hopefully we have some better news on DeMar Hamlin when this thing posts and you start listening to it. Enjoy the weekend. It's week 18. We'll check in next week, hopefully uh, with some different terms. All right, guys. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.